Welcome to Recently Logged, where this week, love is in the air. Hi. Hello. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day to all who celebrate. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't I, think it's, I don't think it's like, that makes it sound like it's like a religious, a religious holiday. holiday. It's like, you know, oh, we don't some celebrate. People, some people celebrate treat it like a religious Day holiday, Day man. <laughs> some <laughs> people in, treat it like that. Not in this household. <laughs> now, what, what, what does a house look like that does not celebrate Valentine's Day? I don't know. I mean, I mean, you could kind <laughs> I'm of I'm sure say, there's probably a lot of You could of them. kind of say that maybe Valentine's Day, like, I never thought about that. Maybe you could say it's a religious <laughs> I mean, holiday, like St. Valentine. Yeah, I mean, it's like, a, I, I don't know. It, it's a weird, it's a weird holiday. Largely just a, just a, like a greeting card yeah. holiday. <laughs> I was going to say, even less so than, like, Christmas, which has much more direct, like, religious roots, obviously. Yeah. Um, Valentine's Day is always kind of an oddity. Or even Easter, for that <laughs> Even matter. Easter. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, uh, happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, we said love is in the air, and I swear if you that is that why. Job. No, that is why we said love is in the air because it's Valentine's Day. The other reason the, is because we're another talking reason. about punch drunk love. We're talking about a film called Punch Drunk Love. It's got love in the title. Amazing, like some kind of Valentine's Day movie. Yeah, I think I still think this is kind of an odd pick for our Valentine's Day episode, but I am not going to complain about it you're because you would have picked it. No, exactly. <laughs> I I didn't know you'd agree to it because it's kind of a, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a it's a an film, unconventional it's a film about love. Yeah, it's it's just an unconventional like romance movie. Um, if you were gonna pick a romance movie to do on Valentine's Day, you know, I don't in know. my mind. In your mind. Maybe, maybe I'm totally off base Maybe here. he's totally off base. Anyway, I'm Micah, by the way. And I'm Robbie. And we're recently we're logged. We're recently logged. <laughs> we talk about the movies. We talk about the movies. Every, well, not every week, this, obviously. This, this week we're talking about our, our second Paul Thomas Anderson feature on the podcast. Yeah, I I was looking through our podcast page last night, um, which, by the way, is at Recently Logged on Letterboxd, if you want to go check it out. And I... I had almost slipped my mind that we had already done uh, There Will Be Blood on the podcast. How did that slip your mind, Ruby? And I was like, oh my goodness, it's our second Paul Thomas Anderson movie on the podcast. My favorite director is finally getting the attention he so desperately needed <laughs> from my, from my uh, like, I don't know. I was going to say only outlet for film discussion, but like I have a letterbox and everything too. So. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about Punch Drunk Love. Uh, let's let's give the people the rundown of what they need to know about the movie. Let's. Uh, so, Funch Drunk Love is a 2002 film. Yeah, uh, represent rated, rated R. Uh, it's an hour and thirty five minutes. Its little IMDb description <laughs> is socially frustrated. Barry Egan calls a phone sex line to curb his loneliness. <laughs> little does he know it will land him in trouble and will jeopardize his <laughs> burgeoning 
Um, I, I don't remember how to say that, actually. Burgeoning romance <laughs> I, with I mysteriously Lena. doubt that's how you <laughs> So do I. But I don't know how to say that. Why is it used <laughs> in the IMDb description? <laughs> Who wrote that? Maybe you just need to rise to their level, Micah. Apparently. Uh, <laughs> the cast features Adam Sandler. Yeah. Emily Watson. Yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Love to see it. Uh, uh, a lot of other people. I mean, it's it's a pretty pretty lean cast, honestly. Um, uh, Luis, how do you say his last name? Guzman? Goisman? Goisman? I, I don't remember. I don't know. Specifically. Cool. But still. I like him. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it's got an Always Sunny alumni in it. It does. Gail the Snail is here. Gail the Snail is <laughs> Which here. Which I did not recognize her for uh, a <laughs> majority of the movie. And then I saw her, like, face outside of the context of the movie. I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Just a minute. That's Gail the Snail. <laughs> Written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. The <laughs> score is by John Bryan. John Bryan. Uh, cinematography by Robert Ellswit. Um, Heck yeah, man! Just a lot of a lot of cool, talented people working on this. Uh, and that's I, I can't really think of anything else you need to know about it. I just realized that you said phone sex line on the podcast, and I don't know if we'll have to mark this episode. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think we will. I was kind of surprised. <laughs> I thought it was funny that it mentioned that because, like, right? That's like not. Of... That's not like the major plot point. It is a plot point, but it's not like the <laughs> plot of the movie. You know? It makes him sound scummier than he exactly. is. He literally calls it to like <laughs> just talk to someone, right? <laughs> but yeah, that that's punch drunk love. Um, which fun fact also if you want to if want to list this in the basic facts uh it's one of my favorite movies if not my favorite that's, movie that's not a basic fact <laughs> it's a fact of life that's, that's an opinion <laughs> well micah speaking of opinions opinions can be changed if necessary <laughs> speaking of opinions let's let's move in to the next segment and let the people know what we thought of punch truck love well, let's do it So, Robbie, before yes. you spoiled your opinions <laughs> on this movie and the basic facts, what do you what did you th- what do you think of this movie? It is, it is a bold assumption to be like <laughs> he's told us it's like his favorite movie. That's all he has to say about. That's all you have to say. <laughs> I'm just like it's my favorite film, and then I just Micah can just go from there. He can carry the rest of the episode. I think um, that's what's gonna happen, Ruby. <laughs> I think that's I think that's what's gonna happen here today. Well. To, to elaborate a little further on my uh, don't, rather... Don't elaborate point. too far. These well, are the opening. I know, but. I know. Um, <laughs> but I just watched Punch Drunk Love last night, but I watched it for the first time uh, last year, I believe. And I loved it. I was already a big fan of a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson's other movies. Uh, crazy. Like There Will Be Blood and Phantom thought? Thread. Um, Who would have thought? But Punch Drunk Love, it's a great film, in my <laughs> my opinion. Um, I really love the way it's shot. Um, I really love the score. I love um, the central performances. Adam Sandler is... I, I don't want to say giving his career best because Uncut Gems exists now, but <laughs> definitely his career best as of, uh, like, 2002. Um, it, he's He's just amazing here. And, I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson 
obviously I think does a great job directing the movie. Um, it's got a great screenplay. It's got a great sense of rhythm and pacing to it. Um, it's it's just like a, a really sweet and I don't know what what's another word like sweet. <laughs> wow. I don't know. It's a very touching movie. It's a very very personal. It's a very movie empathetic for me. and intimate movie. Yeah, intimate. That's a good word for it. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of magical. I don't know when I when I hear movie magic, I think about this movie because like it's so it, it doesn't strike me as a movie that should be like life changingly good in like premise or you know even what like the actual plot is it sounds kind of weird to be like oh punch drunk love what a what a picture but then like i watch it again and i'm like how do how do they do that you know <laughs> but yeah i i adore punch drunk love my adores punch drunk love what do you think of punch drunk love uh what do i think i'm not as head over heels crazy for punch drunk love as you can imagine actually on a first watch i would like it didn't work for me as much as i wanted it to yeah um but when we rewatched it uh it, like it especially it would have worked a heck of a lot better plus i was just like in a better mindset for for like watching a film like that yeah um but man like i really love this film for a lot of reasons um especially specifically kind of the uniqueness in which it goes about presenting everything mm -hmm. like in terms of again that, that quote-unquote movie magic i think is brought on with specific precision and reason um for what they're going for yeah you don't really see Absolutely. a romance film like this <laughs> uh, i have not found another romance like, film that quite just, like that just has this much like I saw it described as like a mysticism almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like how, how love is portrayed in this as mostly a cosmic force. Right. Um, which is cool. Uh, and then it's, you know, it's shot amazingly well. Oh my goodness. Um, Adam Sandler so well. is, is really, really good in this. <laughs> and unfortunately, his character is, is very similar to, to me. You know, I feel like everyone can relate to Adam Sandler's performance in this, at least a little bit. Yeah, but he's got a lot of specific stuff, yeah, yeah. too, that is very, very similar to me. So every time I watch this, I'm like, dang, maybe representation does matter. Right? I'm like, my goodness. Uh, um, yeah, for, for those who don't know, it's about a man. I, I don't know if they actually said it in the plot description we listed in the basic facts, but they were like, has... They were like, it, that's another thing I didn't like, like about a, that plot description. What they like, describe it as like an oddball or socially something. frustrated socially very frustrated. Egan. that's a weird description of him he's a he's a adult man with seven sisters who has severe social anxiety yeah and it's <laughs> clearly and, and it, it's been talked about in it's been talked about stuff, yeah that like he is clearly written to be some form of neurodivergent but they never really wanted to yeah they never really what like to, explicitly say yeah, to kind of keep it more open and relatable to anyone who tunes in which i think is neat yes you can, you can just take it as oh he's good. got really strong social anxiety or oh he's autistic or oh he has bipolar disorder or whatever yeah because he's got a lot going on he's got a lot in there yeah and it's a really strong performance from adam sandler to My betray goodness. such a relatable figure operating under that and from paul thomas anderson to write an empathetic character that hits a lot of those beats because he's a hard character to make so empathetic i was about to say he's like a lying angry sad person and paul thomas anderson makes me feel like he's just like a <laughs> little teddy bear man <laughs> for part of this movie which is crazy uh -huh. 
<laughs> he lies. He, like I was about to say, yeah, he's a character who lies all the time because he's so sh- socially anxious and also has yeah. like really bad <laughs> anger issues. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, I give it a five out of five. Oh yeah, I didn't say my rating. I, uh, <laughs> I give it a five out of five. Uh, Go figure. But but uh, let's let's get into some questions. Or we order some questions to get us into the discussion more. Uh yeah. Um, since I mentioned the cinematography being one of my favorite things about this movie, I was gonna ask what you thought of it. Actually, uh, just that's how a, it's that's shot. A very in interesting general. point because I think I think that's one of its strongest things that it has going for it visually like alone honestly and i think that's something that's very interesting about this movie and that's why i think it's so uniquely shot is visually on its own i'm not a big fan of how it looks not and let me let me elaborate let me elaborate <laughs> like you don't here. like the compositions like, a lot of the time like, like just i think on it, i think it looks I think on a base, a lot of times it looks a little like plain and boring. But really? I think that's for huh. a purpose. Like not not the blocking or the actual. I was about shots to say the lighting themselves. and blocking and everything like, lends it a really dynamic look. But I, I love. but like what I'm going for is it looks very like natural, I guess. Like very naturalistic. Yeah. Um, like extremely so. It's very gray. <laughs> it's very. I don't know um, about. I mean. Like, there's a lot of just gray and white settings. I mean, yeah, there is. Um, so, like, let, let me finish. I was about to say, there's big, this complete big thought. Let me finish this complete thought, Ruby. <laughs> let me finish this complete... I, I specifically marked yeah. the cinematography as being one of my favorite parts. Let me finish my gosh darn thought. <laughs> um, so, like, you have this kind of setting that is very mundane, mm. very gray, very white. Um, yes. And it's... And, like... Especially, and I, and I saw in the trivia, and I don't know if it's true because it's IMDb <laughs> it's trivia, IMDb. Uh, but that they shot on a specific kind of film that allowed for a lot more underexposed shots to get a lot of, like, deeper shadows. Yeah. And I think, like, you can very much tell, because although it's very mundane, very gray, very simple backdrops with very natural lighting, um, everything is just extremely well like composed in the lighting Mm -hmm. and then the color is brought in in very unique ways through different lens flares and specific costuming choices (laughs) and occasionally the lighting itself the color lighting Um, in this is so cool (laughs) and it's just like it's it's a really neat and kind of uniquely shot film i've never seen another film that looks like this it's very it's very over the top but at the same time, because of the way like the setting and the lighting itself is actually done, it feels very down to earth and very simple. Um, I know you haven't seen Magnolia, and I don't know if Robert Ellswich shot that movie. Sure I should do that. I think he shot most of. Yeah, yeah. He I was did. about to say he shot most of Paul Thomas Anderson. But it has stuff. a very similar look to this. They don't use blue nearly as much. <laughs> but it, I think it's probably like the same film. Like, type of film. You know, he shot Nightcrawler, Ruby. <laughs> Robert Ellswit <laughs> is probably, like, one of the best cinematographers. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, um, I I personally really love the way it's shot, obviously. I mean, I, I cinematography is, like, one of my favorite things about movies. Like, the way people shoot and move the camera yeah. is, like, one of the most magical things about movies uh, for me. And I love the way the camera moves in this. Um, I saw, I think it was on the Wikipedia page, but they, they had like an article where they interviewed um, a lot of the crew of this movie 
And they said that uh, Jacques Demy's films were a big inspiration for how this film was shot. And you can definitely tell. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's yeah. got a very kind of classical sense of how it's shot in terms of yeah. it very much runs and kind of like kind of like watching like a Kubrick film mm-hmm. like a, like even like a more modern Kubrick film he still uses the stuff that you'd see in his early black and white work of just like the very strong sense of like lighting and placement yeah, very purposeful way of shooting movies a lot of like in a specific way that a lot of movies after honestly they moved away from like celluloid celluloid yeah just don't get Film shot stock. like that i was about to say like yeah. right at, like right after like <laughs> right into like the 2000s yeah, right about the 2000s <laughs> they kind of stopped shooting movies that way um, um but yeah like I, you haven't seen the young girls of rushford yet um but the camera moves in a very similar way in that i mean movie. i've seen i've seen a lot of scenes from the yeah but like rushford. the way they shoot interiors and like yeah. even the exterior stuff like when barry's um initially running away from like the truck and everything that it literally looks like a <laughs> shot from young girls of rushford i'm like ah and something something that you mention all the time <laughs> but, which i wouldn't say it the way you would say it but i understand what you mean yeah, yeah. is you're always like it's like a musical it is it's not it's like a musical everyone's dancing around everyone and the score's inter- singing everyone is interacting with uh <laughs> with the music yes um but it's not a musical. No, I, it's not a musical. It's like one oh, step removed I just think from a musical. Oh my God. It's closer It's closer to whatever Baby Driver is than yeah. a musical. It's like, um, it's like if Baby Driver was awesome. <laughs> but again, I think that really plays up the, the kind of unique fact of like the way this film goes about presenting love as kind of like this cosmic force. Mm-hmm. Um and again, I think I think that's an interesting. What do you? I have a, I have a question actually from this. I thought about this. I thought about okay. this earlier. What do you think of the the way the harmonium, like the significance of the harmonium, and the way the harmonium is introduced into the film? Because um, it's very interesting. Yeah, uh, and I didn't think about. I didn't think much of it the first time I watched the film. I was just well, like, because oh, you didn't kinda, know where it was exactly. Going. <laughs> I was just like, oh, that's kind of weird. The car, weird. car, like completely flipped over, and then they <laughs> dropped off a harmonium and left. That's weird. Uh, but this time I was like, huh, that's really like interesting because the harmonium is a very central, like, um, symbolic element to the movie. Yeah, no, it's it's very interesting. And it's introduced from a random car crashing in front of him. Yeah, I was about to say, it's a very violent, um, like, force that brings the harmonium into his life. And I think, personally, like, the harmonium kind of represents um, Barry's, like, soul. Not, not, like, in that sense. Not, like, a spiritual soul. But, like, his soul, like, romantic soul, that kind of thing. The heart of, the, the heart of his character. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. Um, I mean, heck, his spiritual soul wouldn't be a bit. <laughs> yeah, but he like it's it's being like thrown in front of him, and when he finally takes charge of it, like his he starts to get his life more in control, and like he slowly starts to repair it and tune it and everything, like as the movie goes on. Um, yeah, until kinda, like the end where he brings it um, like to Lena. Yeah, and, and it kind of fits into that thing like with the car crash and then the car just immediately driving away. Like I don't know, yeah. it kind of makes me think. Of, it makes me think of that line uh, of like the I don't know if things aren't okay because I don't know how other people are. Exactly. <laughs> no, one of the things that's very unique about this movie is the kind of like surreal world that it takes place in. 
Um, and I think surreal is the right word. It's yeah. a, it can be very a very surreal movie, which is one of the things I love about it. Yeah, very. It very much operates inside of not only Barry's mind, mm-hmm. but also like this almost like mystic force operating yep. around Barry's mind. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a magical movie, man. But yeah, I've always I've always viewed the harmonium as that sort of thing. Just it, it's a very straightforward reading of it, but I yeah. think I think it works. I just thought it was specifically interesting. It's a really it's cool a, element. It's such a unique way to kick off a movie. Yeah. I've never seen a movie be like, <laughs> let's start our movie by having a car crash, having them drop a harmonium off, the harmonium and the car crash having zero actual plot relevance. <laughs> and that is it. <laughs> well, the movie opens with the pudding stuff, like the coupon call, yeah, and it, then he walks outside. The yeah. Call. Because the coupon call, Robbie. Which, by the way, <laughs> Paul Thomas Anderson is hilarious to me. The fact that Robbie loves Paul Thomas Anderson so much is hilarious. He's to my me. favorite director. Because technically speaking, <laughs> you could pull off that ninety percent of his movies are period pieces, which Robbie's always like, "Oh, I hate period pieces." Okay. And then this one is based off of a true story, which Robbie's always like, "Oh, I, I hate based off true stories." I think Paul Thomas Anderson is one of the few people I know, like I know of, who like pulls it off well kubrick is another person who can do that really well i think because see Ruby, you're so weird because you literally just mean i like good movies yeah i know and there are tons and tons of good period pieces and good based on true stories. i know i just the ones i had seen up to that point were like so boring and then i finally started watching good ones and i'm like oh okay maybe they're not bad actually but yeah anyway what i I was gonna say though is that this is based on true story and the fact that the pudding the pudding section the pudding uh, guy healthy choice that was the real thing which is the guy who heard about this promotional flyer (laughs) plan uh, and found that the pudding scan four to one, and they ended up spending. I think I think the math was right too. He spent like I think like three thousand dollars, dollars, and yeah. he got one point two million flyer miles. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they canceled the program immediately after that. <laughs> I still think like one of the most satisfying and like cool plot points in this movie is um like at the end where he can like finally go with lena everywhere i i think that's so cool right his little random interest leads <laughs> right? to him his, being able to fly with lena his everywhere random putting interest <laughs> leads to the perfect uh like situation for them to stay together i saw right. i saw somebody i forget where i saw this i think it was probably on one of the, either the top reviews or reviews from my friends in mm-hmm. letterboxd or something they were like uh she was like i thought it was really funny because uh the way barry talks about the pudding deal and this is the way i talked about amc stubs to all of my friends and family that's hilarious <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I mean, there there's so many really cool details in this movie that I just absolutely adore. Like, stuff like that. Yeah, like the pudding. And, and again, I think it's really cool that I think the heart of the film is its relatability. Because even if you don't mm-hmm. inherently re- relate to the way Barry interacts with the world, you can relate to his loneliness. Exactly, And yeah. if you don't relate to his loneliness, you can relate to, like, again, the, the way he interacts with the world, the way he feels stuff, the way he's presented as a character. Um... I think that's very interesting, like as a heart of a film, um, and yeah. I know, and I know a lot of that, um, or at least I, I imagine. I haven't watched Magnolia, but I know a lot of that, like, stems from the fact that like he wanted to do something so much more intimate after doing Magnolia. What's so strange? I wouldn't even say intimate. I would say just 
small scale because magnolia is like this sprawling like almost not odyssey odyssey is the wrong word but like sprawling film <laughs> that covers so much like just it, it's a lot of ground it's a very intimate movie um yeah, in yeah. a lot of ways like it very much intimately covers the lives of like <laughs> seven different people <laughs> um so it's a very it, it feels very large and this feels so dialed back because there's only like two main characters in the whole movie. Yeah, it's just it's just um, <laughs> I, I saw in an interview yeah. that he that he felt kind of burnt out after finishing Magnolia. Dude, if I made Magnolia, <laughs> I might not make another movie. And he <laughs> wanted crazy. he wanted to do something that completely like turned directions. Yeah. Um, and he also wanted to work with Adam Sandler. <laughs> I still find it so funny the the like origin story of this movie because it's always. He just finished Magnolia, and he's like, I want to make a short one now. <laughs> he's like, you know, I've always wanted to do a film with Adam Sandler. <laughs> and then, like, the best movie of all time was well, no, According According to, to what I found, too, like, he, he did interviews, at, like, and people were yeah. like, oh, who do you want to He's like, I want to do a movie with uh, Adam Sandler and Daniel Day-Lewis. And people thought he was joking because Adam Sandler had only a reputation of being mm -hmm. in, like, stupid comedies to that point. Yeah, like, critical failure studio comedies uh -oh. was his reputation at that point. <laughs> and, uh his next two films he worked with adam sandler and daniel day lewis which is crazy man i <laughs> oh man i adam sandler i always forget like just how many like tiny mannerisms he throws into all of the scenes here His performance is so good in that and then like i'll see him like just react to the smallest things happening on screen i'm like this is crazy man <laughs> what are you doing are you very food very food exactly <laughs> um but uh I have another question. All right. Uh, the uh, the the contentious point. Uh, what do you what do you think point. of what do you think of the way Lena is done in this movie? Because that's kind of up for discussion on if she's if she's done in like in a justifiable way. Because she she yeah. very much lacks character. Yeah, she lacks she's a lot of romantic interest. She lacks a lot of characterization, but she feels very authentic I was about to say, when I'm and, watching it. And the like like the only female character presented <laughs> as not malicious. Right. Well his sisters aren't malicious. They really care about him. They just don't know how to care about him. Like they don't know how to care for him and show him love. They're pretty mean to him. I though. mean they are pretty mean to him, which, you know, but, like, I don't know, at least the one sister, like, you can tell really cares about I mean, about yeah, you can tell Harry. that they care about Yeah. Him. It's just interesting. <laughs> They're just not very considerate to him and kind of mean to him sometimes. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, Lena, yes, is, generally speaking, like, the only positive female role in this movie, which is a shame. Um, cause like, I mean, there are only like, again, like three characters to be fair. <laughs> right. Like, but I mean, even coming off of something like Magnolia has like way more <laughs> in-depth female characters than this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. Lena's very interesting cause she basically functions just as like this dream scenario of like 
someone meeting someone who's like desperately lonely and like incredibly anxious all the time like she's a very considerate and understanding person who just loves barry and that's right. like her whole character no it's very interesting and I, and again i like the way i like the way that she's framed in the story yeah. in terms of the fact because again i know yeah. like the story could very easily again come across as a lot more scummy than it yes yeah. it, it, um, it sounds like when i explain punch drunk love to people it sounds very scummy and like uh, kind of weird and gross but, but it's not <laughs> especially being like a the way that it's framed and why he goes about making the call the titular call of the movie um but uh yeah the the way like adam sandler's like barry uh would never like his character would literally never try and like go out with her because right. he's too like he that's again as he wouldn't he says, even consider it as he yeah. says that's just not something it's not something he, he would do yeah he wouldn't consider it there's too much social stuff there but she she sees like from his sisters she sees him first and mm-hmm. then she becomes like uh, like infatuated with him i was about to really say yeah fixated way. on him um Again, you got that shot in the in the store with like the tracking shot of them together. That's I don't really know nice. how I missed that in the past viewings. Um, but again, I I tweeted this out because I think it really would be interesting, and I think this goes to say like how like interestingly her character is done. Is I would mm-hmm. love, and I think it would work almost as well to do a movie like this done from Lena's perspective. Well, it's interesting because Lena, in theory, is like just as lonely as Barry is. Yeah. Um, but for a completely different reason. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's what, again, like, her character is really fascinating yeah. for what you're given. Um, and I'd love to see more from her. Absolutely, uh, man. Emily Watson here is so, so good. <laughs> so, so they make a very unique pairing, but I'd love to see, like, I'd love to see, like, from her perspective, some of the earlier stuff, mm-hmm. like, and everything like that. I think that would be very neat. Yeah, we watched um, a short film with a lot of, like, outtakes and f- footage they didn't use in the movie. Um, it's called Blossoms and Blood. Um, and it has a scene with Lena, like, alone in her apartment waiting for Barry. And it's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, and, and I think, I think though, with how Barry is written in this, mm. you had to do it from his perspective. Yo, Otherwise, he to, wouldn't yeah. be as empath- like, nearly as empathetic as he is <laughs> right. in this. No, again, I'm glad it's a very subjective movie. As I was saying, it's, it's got to get you behind him as uh-huh. a person before. Because, again, he, he has a lot of very bad tendencies. Yeah, I was about to say, he's a very, like... Uh, sometimes violently angry never like towards people but sometimes very violently angry lying uh person (laughs) yeah so it's very interesting to see their their like her love for him balanced off of her finding out about all of these like interesting tendencies of, of his yeah and uh I honestly think it's just a really sweet romance like yeah no like it frames their romance in such like a I guess like a sweet way. It's a know? very tender it's a very tender plotline between them. Like I never feel like either of them are being like forced into anything. Yeah, they you never know? they never feel forced. Because I get never... I get that icky feeling from some romance movies sometimes where like the movie just kind of pushes them together and calls it a day. Yeah, again, this movie and, and it almost sounds like this does when I say that mm-hmm. like love is treated as a quote unquote like cosmic force. Mm-hmm. But if anything, that's more how they just kind of end up next to each other yeah i was about to say it doesn't feel like they're being pushed together it feels like a beautiful force is like pulling them towards each other because like they both need each other they both need each other yeah 
and I don't know, man. Like, especially any of the scenes where it's Lena and Barry like mm. interacting, like their their chemistry Goodness, and the dialogue and the way it's gone about <laughs> written is just really like. Uh, like almost like comforting the way it's, it's so about. it's, it's very man. it's very cool <laughs> <laughs> i'll stand by like i i said like this is like my favorite movie probably um so it's obviously like my favorite romance movie but the way <laughs> romance is handled in this movie is so unique and it feels just so sweet and touching and genuine well see that's why you were like oh it's a weird valentine's <laughs> day movie and i was like i don't think it's that weird of a valentine's movie because of that because yeah. i think it's a main central force <clears throat> of the movie and like the main central thing you take away from the movie is is that the love is awesome yeah and sweet <laughs> exactly and cool. that's like what the movie's going for is that we all need love yeah no i know <laughs> that like i know i get why it's it makes sense as a valentine's day pick i was just saying most people when they think of like valentine's day movies they think of like 2000s chick flicks or at least that's what i think of you which know, there are plenty is, of i mean this ones. is a 2000s romance Gosh, film it. it's not a chick flick though. but it's a romance exactly film. it is it is a kind of art housey romance film which is strange apparently i, I saw a thing that said uh paul thomas anderson described it as an art house adam sandler <laughs> romance comedy <laughs> i mean yeah that's what it is <laughs> Which, okay, I was going to ask about this because um, it's one of the strangest elements to me. Um, and it kind of changes, um, like, viewing to viewing for me. What do you think of, like, the comedic elements of this movie? Because sometimes, like, I, I watch this movie and I'm like, there's not, I don't laugh at too many parts. Yeah. And then there are other times where I'm, like, dying laughing at, like, some of the, <laughs> like, stuff where, like, Barry is very emotional. <laughs> and I, I don't know, I, my, the, like, weird empathetic line to Barry, like, sometimes it's supposed to, I don't know if it's supposed to be funny sometimes, but it is funny. <laughs> I don't know. It's very, it's a very strange movie. The way comedy functions. In no, the way movie. comedy functions is very interesting because it's kind yeah. of a background feature. Yeah. Uh, but I often think a lot more, like, the comedy, I don't think, is ever there as a strong thing because no. you're not supposed to. I mean, it's not the focus of as the movie. Well, you're not supposed to think the stuff that's happening to Barry or what Barry <laughs> is feeling or what Barry does is, like, funny. You're yeah, not supposed, it's, it's not, not supposed to be making him the joke. I was about to say, he's not, like, some, um, like, oblivious guy who you're supposed to mock for how dumb he is. Kind of like something like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is that way. Yeah. I mean, he is oblivious, but it's not he is oblivious, but it's it's not the movie isn't asking you to like mock him. Yeah, but at the same time, a lot of the quote unquote comedy comes from a lot of situational things that yeah. he runs into. Exactly, like, again, like him only being able to focus on one thing at a time with that conversation uh -huh. with him and Lena when oh, like my the stuff in the warehouse is that falling. Scene, over. That scene is phenomenally well shot, and it's it's so so well paced and edited. Which I found out this movie had a female editor and she kind of killed nice. <laughs> it's very they, well edited and again like that scene i think is really funny mm -hmm. um so i think like that's kind of the way it often goes about comedy is more like like overwhelming stuff mm -hmm. instead of just being like oh you should be laughing at this because he's a little weird guy <laughs> no it's funny the stuff that i laugh at the most is like just random lines of dialogue that barry has um like the what is your name sir <laughs> <laughs> what is your name sir <laughs> but just like stuff like that where it's like that's not how people talk <laughs> no i mean and yeah I'll, like I'll, like, we're, like not how people in movies talk like there's just some like painfully realistic 
like dialogue in this that's just so funny to me yeah exactly like it's very it's not how people exactly because i was about to say i feel like honestly it is a lot more no that is how people talk, talk. exactly <laughs> that phone the, and i mean there have been oftentimes like the philip seymour hoffman mm. phone call is like <laughs> what's considered like one of the best scenes of the movie i know most so good, like, tons of, i've seen tons of people talk about it the way it's framed the way the dialogue is written the way it's edited uh, but it is really fantastic so phenomenal i i love that scene so much <laughs> uh, speaking of which philip seymour hoffman is in this philip seymour hoffman i you know the first time i watched it i i hadn't seen like I don't know. I wasn't like overly familiar with him. I love Philip Seymour Hoffman. Um, but like he's so good here, and he's so much fun. There's Such like a just good actor. They sprinkled in just the right amount of Philip Seymour Hoffman. In no, this I needed movie. more. You wanted more? Not in this movie inherently. No, but like more of him. I need more Philip Seymour Hoffman. I was about to say part of the part of the strength of this movie, I think, is how lean it is. Um, no, it, just from a there's story no there's no room for him to be in this. No, <laughs> you got you got the mattress man commercial. And you know that that's all good and well, but it's quite short. <laughs> apparently, uh, apparently, John C. Riley was originally going to be one of the brothers. Okay, um, I was like, please don't tell me they were going to ta- uh, like cast him as Dean. But no, no. he was going to be one of the brothers. But then, the brothers. Okay. but then again, he if he, like he was like he didn't take it because they were so little. Like he was like, this, why am I here? <laughs> right? It's like, why would you want to cast like a a real quote real actor oh, in wow, like a role like you're that saying they're not real i actors. said quote real actor i think all the brothers are like actually really funny in a lot of their like small like physical performance stuff and they're all real brothers too right? i think that's really funny too there's a great shot of them getting out of a truck when it, it holds on the one brother and then it like slowly pans back it's so good but uh <laughs> but yeah like because again there's no room for like anyone else no it, it's it, you have barry and to a lesser extent, but still a big extent, you have Lena, and that's, like, all the film has time and room for. I mean, the only time it breaks Barry's perspective to my memory is to deal with the Mattress Man stuff and to, like, set that up. Because it doesn't even have Lena in any scenes outside of the stuff with Barry. Yeah. Um, it's a very subjective movie in the way it's shot and told and everything Yeah, I was about to say, the only reason it breaks to Mattress Man is only to, it's just to make that plot work. Because it couldn't <laughs> exactly. if you didn't do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it gi- no, it gives the it gives that entire like B plot a lot more weight and a lot more um, agency in the story than it would have if it just like exclusively took place from Barry's perspective because otherwise they're just a voice on the phone, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, until they come and like <laughs> try and kill. Him. But even then, like Philip Seymour Hoffman kind of thing, yeah. would just be a voice on the phone. I was about to say he lends a real, uh, a surprisingly great. I mean, obviously, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is like probably one of the greatest actors to ever do it um but he lends a really great physicality and like presence to um like that whole plot line you know makes it feel a lot more immediate and threatening yeah so as about like i think uh, one more question because yeah. i can't think of anything else to add <laughs> on to anyway uh, yeah but uh what do you think of like that plot line like the the he must be he must become the beat up brother <laughs> go to Utah to threaten Phil you're Seymour saying Hoffman like with the fact that he has love now okay like, so do you you're think saying about like that he has to like like from when the brothers yeah. show up to 
stick the end of that conflict. What do you think of that inclusion in the story? Because well, it's very odd. You, th- you think it's odd? I think it's odd. I, I mean, thought it's it, odd to be written in. I thought it was very odd the first time I watched it. And then I watched it again, and I'm like, it makes sense in Barry's mind that he would have to go and like deal with this once and for all because after it's after they hurt Lena that he feels like he really has to like go yeah, and yeah. do no, something I, I get about why, it. I get why his character feels like he has to leave yeah. immediately. Yeah. Um, that's not that's not as much why I'm saying like the inclusion of that in general is a very odd thing in the story that they're telling. I don't know. I think it it lends the movie a lot more like I, I think it gives the movie the violent edge that I feel like it almost needed. I, I don't know why I feel like the movie needed a violent edge, but I mean, it is called punch. Drunk I was about to say it's called punch drunk love. Um, and he's a I, very he's a he's a technically speaking violent character. I was about to say he's a very angry character. He like rips apart an entire bathroom in a restaurant um, with his bare hands. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It's. I don't know if I like if I could list like a specific reason it needed to be there, but it makes a lot of emotional sense and narrative sense like while I'm watching it, like for it to be there. But yeah, I, don't, I, just, I don't have like I a good reason a, I why. I think it's interesting that it gives kind of like a quote unquote not positive, but like framed as positive in the movie violent outlet for him. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously, I think I don't think like people who extort other people and scam them for money is, are like morally upstanding people. Yes, but but I don't think they should be beaten to well, a bloody I was about to say, was about to say the way that the way the action scene is like framed when he starts yeah. like when he just absolutely destroys the brothers is so well, it's odd. not excessive. It, well, no, it's know? not excessive. Yeah. He he like knocks them he all just out takes them once. out. Yeah, um, but like the way it's framed, like the little spins. <laughs> and like the the way the smoothness of his motion mm-hmm. is very like odd to me. I think it, I don't know. I've always really loved that scene because it makes a lot of it, it makes a lot of sense cuz like now Barry has a justification for like the anger he usually feels for no reason. Or well not for no reason, but usually like an over like an abundance of anger for like it's disproportionate to what it should be. Well, and, you know? and I think it's interesting too because after he goes, he he goes to Utah. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's really angry. Again no, for the he's rest not. Of the film. Exactly. After he goes to Utah and is like, "I have love now." So maybe maybe it's kind of like he doesn't. Maybe it's like a he's like moving through. His exactly. No, I was stuff. about to say he's finally. <laughs> well, the whole like ending part of this movie is he's finally like. He feels like he's in control, quote unquote, of his emotions now. Like he knows how to deal with them in some sort of way. Because yeah, he has love. I was he about to say he can. Who, he has somebody who understands. Exactly. Him. He has someone who finally understands him, so he doesn't feel like radically lost when it comes to dealing with any emotion that pops up whenever you know whatever. Yeah, but um, I, but I I hadn't thought yeah. about that. But but after he goes to Utah, mm-hmm. and even his Utah his interaction Utah is stuff, way less like he's, he's a very he's very controlled. He's very just matter of fact. I don't know. I've always I've always loved that plot point. It's amazing. Yeah, it's very interesting. Like like I said, yeah. it's just odd. Like from a <laughs> from a story writing standpoint, obviously, yeah. I think it works emotionally. I never mm-hmm. like you never question it emotionally <laughs> while you watch it. I just wanted to bring it up because yeah. I thought it was again odd from a story standpoint. Yeah, no. If I was writing this, I would not have thought to do that. But like, I think it's a 
pretty brilliant move. Um, I think it works really well in the yeah. movie. But yeah, do you have any other any other questions? Any other things to bring up? Um, I was gonna ask you uh, what your favorite scene was or sequence, mm, but yeah. there's a lot of really really good ones here in my mind. Anyway, there's like a, there's like at least three or four like all time great sequences here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the phone call is phone obviously amazing. It's one of I think it's. <laughs> one, one of like the sharpest moments of filmmaking in this movie and obviously adam sandler and philip seymour hoffman screaming at each other is amazing they're so good though like the way they control like their tone and like just the general rhythm of that scene which it's very well edited i was about to say the editing is for yeah. like, the way it controls who has who has the frame exactly how it ends with with Philip Seymour Hoffman's character not even getting a shot anymore, just Barry, <laughs> right? Oh, it's so it's so so good. Yeah, shout out to Leslie Jones. She's like the greatest editor. She edited the Thin Red Line. Yeah, nice. I was about to say, I very cool, very cool, very good work. <laughs> <laughs> but no, probably probably that scene is the one I would just point to as what I think is like the best scene, one of my favorites from this. But I also particularly like the Hawaii sequence for just just Barry and Lena. Mhm. I was about to say that just like the stuff leading into like Hawaii or like like the he needs me sequence cuz that I mean, the that's what I think is like probably, amazing. <laughs> probably one of the best things yeah, about Yeah, like this just movie. just from the he needs me sequence. Yeah. Honestly, to like the phone call with her with uh -huh. his sister, like at the end, dude. When like, the little light comes a... on in the phone booth, that that's movie magic, baby. I was about to say from like <laughs> from that point to the end of the Hawaii stuff. That is like when it's going like it's absolute like most romantically charged it's, like just it's so beautiful i love that part of the movie so much it's and again it's, feels like magic and again it's where you get lena and barry <laughs> actually interacting the most and yeah i really like that because like being yeah. able to see them play off of each other even even like the conversation they have in bed during that one dude plays to the fact that like they they like are comfortable and actually understand each other. That scene is like one of the sweetest scenes in any romance movie I've ever seen. The like quote sex scene in this movie, if if you could call it that. No, it's, it's really funny because I guarantee, I guarantee, I haven't watched this with Haley yet, but I guarantee I'm gonna watch this with Haley, and she's gonna react so disgustedly to what they say. I think it's like one of the sweetest things I've heard on film, and maybe I'm crazy for that. Well, I mean, but again, it's like they're again, so. It shows the, their understanding yeah. of each other because she's because like again the eat like the like the eat like <laughs> the bite, her the bite, your, the bite your cheeks thing is yeah. like is like a is like a natural like romance thing that yeah. is kind of this violent nature uh -huh. of, of feeling so attracted to someone. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, that is very rarely discussed, which also kind of leans into like what they were going for for Punch Drunk Love, which is very absolutely. I was about to say love um, is kind of a violent thing in but this. When, but when Barry like responds to the bite your cheeks with something a lot more brutally <laughs> Brutal, violent brutally but she but he still means it in the same way exactly so she ups her ante and goes even more as like showing like she understands and like they laugh about it afterwards it's funny it's goofy i was about to say i've always loved that scene and i've never known like how other people would react to it yeah i guarantee i guarantee i know how Haley would react to this watching it for the first time oh uh, but yeah no i i adore that scene because like there it feels so incredibly intimate and unfiltered in a way that i hardly you hardly ever see that oh, yeah, from it's, romantic it, again movies. it's that it's that 
it's that weird feeling that not many films describe mm-hmm. that when you're with somebody that you love, especially early on, like, and like you're, you're just around them and there's that electric energy. It's mm-hmm. almost, it's like, again, it's almost violent <laughs> yeah. in, in a way. It's not obviously, but like, again, that's where the whole, like, I just want to eat you up kind of <laughs> cuteness thing comes from. Yeah. Like it's, it's that feeling of like just overwhelming affection for something now i heard someone describe this movie one time as uh, like an ode to the delirium of romance and i think that's my favorite description of it to this day because it is a very delirious kind of romance <laughs> movie <laughs> um in in many different ways <laughs> um but i i adore it with all my heart it's it's such a good movie <laughs> but yeah yeah. That's that's punch, that's drunk, punch love. drunk love, man. I'm sure there's a lot of technical stuff that I didn't mention. Uh, shout like uh, honorable mention for my favorite scene because I think it is the he needs me sequence is my favorite. But honorable mention to the initial like Lena coming to the office sequence with all the handheld stuff in that. It's so good. Um, and also the pudding shopping leading up to, <laughs> leading up see, to the see, Hawaii at the end of the day, at the end of the, at the end of the day, as weird as this movie is, and there's a lot of different interesting elements you could read in a lot of different ways. I think yeah. I think it shows because like at the end of the day, the movie makes me just think about my girlfriend and me being like, oh, I love I love my girlfriend, <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, I got to apologize for all the weird stuff I do. <laughs> Man, that's that's what the film always leaves me with in a very like happy note. I don't know this this film since I don't I'm not dating anyone. I am single to all the <laughs> recently logged listeners out there. Um, I think even as someone who doesn't have like a romantic relationship in their life, I think this leaves me with a very like reassured calmness. Well, again, I, Which is I, very nice. I, it's it's like the the bread sword core. Exactly. The whole it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Exactly. Like it's one of those kind of films that leaves you with the message that at the end of the yeah. day, it's gonna be okay. Like you're gonna get through it. There are people who are always gonna love you. There are people for you out. Exactly. There. There's someone. There's there's people, people who, who are understands going to love you. you out in the world, and you deserve to be loved. And that's what I always take away from this movie. Yeah. Even 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 Barry. <laughs> even Barry. <laughs> Man, punch drunk love. What a, what a yeah. picture! So yeah, what a, what an odd picture. Happy Valentine's. Day, Happy everyone. Valentine's Day. Uh, again, I give it a five out of five. I I I wish I could give it a six out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Phantom it's Phantom Thread so still good. better. Phantom okay, Phantom Thread probably better, but I will always I think get more out of punch drunk love <laughs> personally. Uh, but yeah, it's you know, oh, wait, wait, great. one, one so more thing, great. one more thing. <laughs> okay. Last thought. Uh, I actually am really glad this was made by earlier PTA. Yeah. Because he completely... It doesn't fit his... He started, he started writing differently. This yeah. was like the last film he wrote like this. This is written in such a... Because like, again, the way Phantom Thread, There Will Be Blood, um, all of these other films... Licorice written, Pizza's written this Licorice Pizza, way. they're all in that same style of writing of, of... Even the way he described it as kind of beats just going to beat to beat to mm-hmm. beat back and forth until he feels it's come to a natural i don't think this needed that this has a very uh, clearly defined like three act structure kind of thing yeah. which is something so i don't usually see from PTA. exactly so i'm glad it's early PTA because yeah. because that's the one thing that really i think makes it stand out even more among his filmography mm-hmm. that i've seen because i haven't seen anything earlier than this from him yeah uh, i mean i will I, wait, you've heartache, seen heart eight, heartache, but um, that's 
that's heart eight heart eight is a very i don't know it's a very strange movie uh, but uh i honestly just forget it's pta <laughs> in a good way micah no darn <laughs> but micah's uh, like i hate pta <laughs> boo <laughs> but uh <laughs> i'm glad it was this early on i think it was like a perfect storm of a movie and also got put adam sandler in a position to work on something like uncut gems yeah no it's and... it's i think honestly you could describe this whole movie as a perfect storm because like there are so many just like weird and wild things that i hear about it where i'm like wait they just like i don't know it feels like they just like kind of slapped it together and somehow got like this magic cocktail of like perfect <laughs> romance film it's very strange um, also, quick shout out to um, Jeremy Blake's work on this project because he does the little like visual interludes and the title sequence paintings that that all of that was uh, Jeremy Blake's work. And it is phenomenal. It's one of the things I love about this movie. <laughs> um, I didn't even talk about how like cool the incorporation of John Bryan's score is in this um, because like it's one of my favorite movie soundtracks ever. Um, but the way the way the film kind of moves around it is very awesome. <laughs> but I want I wanted to shout out how awesome the visual interludes and stuff were. Sir, we can't. If you want to talk about everything, just write a video essay about it. I know we we've taken up like almost the whole hour, and I haven't even gotten out everything I exactly. wanted to say about it. I don't know why you don't just write a video essay, Ruby. <laughs> that's that's how you you can do a complete. I'm bad at about, writing, man. You can talk about everything you want to talk about. I'm uh, me bad writer, but <laughs> it's it took me I think like. Like, an hour and a half to write my two paragraph review for this original. Ruby, like my Ratatouille <laughs> video was well written. It wasn't. No. It takes doing it. You gotta do it I to know. get better at it. I don't want it. Even though I'm not like the greatest writer in the world, but I've significantly improved. I was about to say better better writer than I am. It just takes me it just takes me a small eternity to write anything. That's true. I write fast. I write fast no. and it, if I don't write fast, then I die. It takes me like three minutes to write like two sentences. <laughs> yeah, I just pour I pour stuff out, Ruby, and then I and then I am like, okay, let's evaluate what I just did here. <laughs> let's talk about what just happened. <laughs> Let's restructure that a little bit. Let's uh, see. I try and do that like while I'm writing, no, so no, it takes just, me forever. Just put what you want to say <laughs> on the page and then change it. But yeah, that's that's punch drug love. Um, let's get into let's get into what we want. Yeah, let's get into other stuff we watched. Alright, so for those of you who are new to the podcast or have never made it to the What We Watch segment before because we're lame and boring, <laughs> the wow. What We Watch segment is a little thing we do at the end where we talk about all the other movies we have watched since our last episode. Yes. We give brief r ratings, brief reviews. Yes. We the, we be br brief. <laughs> we're being... Because we're being, uh, we went brief. long in this episode, man. <laughs> we spent almost a whole hour just on the, the film discussion and we don't normally do that. <laughs> It's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, we're talking about all the stuff we watched uh, basically since the start of uh, February. Yeah, I, I'm going to start on the 31st because I watched something after we recorded Ooh, the episode. Mr. Fancy over here. <laughs> I watched something that <laughs> night. Uh, I watched on the 31st uh, Three Colors Blue. I started the Three Colors trilogy. What? Um, I, was, I, was very, I was very interested. I don't know why I decided to turn this on because <laughs> I don't know. They seemed odd. Um, 
I mean, the Three Colors trilogy always struck me as something that you would enjoy. I don't it, know it why. Is. <laughs> and especially, especially specifically blue hits a lot of stylistic <laughs> things that I personally would like the kind of thing that I would like to do. Yeah. Um, blue is, the blue is like really, really good. Very visceral. Um, very much like surprisingly gets like understands, uh, grief to a really empathetic degree. Um, despite again, it's kind of similarly to honestly, like punch drunk love, the main character doing some very questionable things. <laughs> um, but it's just really, I love what they use for the cinematic language of it. Um, nice. The way they incorporate blue and the way this movie is edited, especially, even stands out among the trilogy as just being very, very unique and very, very beautiful to me. Um, cool. Very great performances. <laughs> cool movie. I can't wait to see it, man. The, the Three Colors trilogy, I saw part of White um, while you were watching. Which is a very interesting one um, in the trilogy. They're all was, very different. Yeah, it, was, it, it was very interesting. I'm, I'm kind of curious now. Uh, but I give it a 5 out of 5. Fantastic film. Favorite of the trilogy. Very cool. Um, on the 1st of February, I watched uh, Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Bardo. Bardo. Um, uh, I was the director who did Birdman. <laughs> uh, I forget how to pronounce his name. It's uh, Alejandro Gonzalez Inarat. In I, I don't know how to say his last name. Last I'm so name. sorry. But uh, yeah, it's Bardo. Um, I'm a big Birdman guy. Um, so I was, I guess I was bound to love this. <laughs> <laughs> but I really liked the cinematography. It got nominated um, at the Oscars for Best Cinematography. So, I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's a cool movie. I wish it was a bit tighter in a lot of ways. It's a, it's a very like free-flowing kind of movie, which is cool, um, but doesn't always pull me in the way I wanted to. So... I give it a four out of five. I thought it was great. Nice. Uh, that night, technically on the second, because I watched it so late, <laughs> uh, I watched for the very first time Taxi Driver by Martin Scorsese. Dude, I saw someone uh, on the street yesterday who had, like, the jacket and the mohawk, and I was like, he literally looks what? like... What? <laughs> no. Where? Was walking down Where the did sidewalk. you see this? We were driving um, to... To the mall? Yeah, to the mall. We were driving to the mall, and he was just... Um, it wasn't near the mall or anything. He was just on the sidewalk, like, next to the road. He was just walking. I saw oh, the no. mohawk first, and then I'm like, he's wearing a jacket like that. I'm like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Real Travis. Travis is free. I just thought it was funny. I was like, oh no, taxi oh. driver in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm a big Paul Schrader fan um, and a big Martin Scorsese fan. It's a scary statement. And this, like... is, this is one of the movies that they did together that I, that I hadn't seen yet. Um, <laughs> big uh, Paul Schrader fan. <laughs> hey, he's, he's a cool, he's a cool writer. He's a cool writer, yeah. He's a cool guy. <laughs> he's just an interesting man. Um but it was obviously, it was very fantastic, very odd, especially, honestly, among even Martin Scorsese's filmography. I wasn't expecting it to be the way it was, especially with the weird misinterpretation reputation it has. Like, it's a very slow, contemplative movie that's more in the vein of something like King of Comedy than I thought it would be. Which is cool. Um, that sounds awesome. No, it's very unique. <laughs> it's very interesting. It's yeah. very gross and grimy, which is, again, what that's it's what I do. Expect, it's the, yeah. it's the Paul Schrader flavor. It's the Schrader, the Schrader flavor. <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> um but i really really liked it it's not my favorite martin scorsese by a long shot but i i do really want to rewatch it i feel like it would cool. work better on a rewatch but i also gave it like a five out of five like it's a masterpiece like it's like uh, didn't really it's work not really for my me. favorite it didn't really work for me him. five out of five <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it worked. It just wasn't my favorite. Uh, I wrote a really long review about it. Also, nice. I'm really, really upset because uh, the score, it's probably, it's easily my favorite Scorsese movie score. Mm. One of my favorite movie scores I've ever heard, and it is not streaming. Uh, so it's I, Not not streamable. And, and that makes me very, very sad. <laughs> but, try and track down a CD of it or something. I don't know. It's so good. <laughs> what um, did you watch next, Jeremy? On the second, the afternoon of February 2nd, I watched The Sea Beast, um, which I think is the last of the best animated feature nominees that I hadn't seen. And uh, unfortunately, they were all the other nominees are better than this. Um, but it's not bad. It's I mean, it's a Netflix animated film. I, I actually admire, you know, what it was doing to a degree. Um, it, it, I, I was kind of expecting it to be bad, but it wasn't. So I guess that's on me. <laughs> uh, I, I compared it to a ham and cheese sandwich in my review. And I think that's a, like a fair assessment of it. You know, nothing, nothing groundbreaking, but perfectly fine. <laughs> I gave it a three out of five. Uh, pretty much at the same time, actually, I was watching, uh, Cooley High. I'm out here watching Sea Beast. Micah is watching Cooley High. <laughs> Considerably better. Um, so I wanted, I wanted, I made like a little, cause you know, it's Black History Month. I made a little yeah. list of a lot of, uh, like black director movies that were kind of classics that I hadn't gotten to yet. And I, I, need, I, was I very, need to catch up on some of my black filmmaker history cause like, yeah, I was it's, very, oof. I was very interested in yeah. this. Um, and it was really good. I want more. Like it was sad. It was apparently originally going to be a TV show that huh. didn't get approved. Like nobody would give it funding as a TV show. So they made it into a movie. Um, <laughs> Which happens, happens apparently more than you'd think. Um, <laughs> but I almost wish, like, I just had more time with these characters. It's very much that kind of, like, I mean, it's a high school movie, but it almost taps into that. I guess the closest I could relate it to is, like, Ferris Bueller in terms of the fact that, it, that it's a movie that feels like these characters are, like, it's kind of like living while they can kind of, like, mm. feeling. And you want to just live with them for as long as they can. Cool. Um, obviously. I mean, that sounds awesome. It <laughs> takes a bit more of, like, a a tragic note. Aww. That's kind of the, the point of Darn it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's very interesting. And especially the way the aftermath and stuff is done. Because if I'm not mistaken, it's... I think it's based off of a true story. Darn I don't it. remember. Uh, but anyway, it's very cool. And I liked it. And I gave it a four and a half out of five. Very well done. I love that the performances in it are fantastic. It's just, it's so much fun. Very cool. I uh, Very cool. Wow. <laughs> uh, but yeah, after that on the, or I guess it might have just been late that night. Um, uh, yeah, it was. I think it was that night. We watched another Martin Scorsese movie. And it's called Casino. Casino. And it's got the best opening credit sequence probably <laughs> ever. <laughs> the goofiest opening credit sequence. Okay, what Saul heck? and Elaine Bass did the uh, <laughs> opening credits for this, and they're so good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh man casino casino very interesting movie. among martin scorsese's movies though it is it's very odd i don't know like I've even seen... compared to something like goodfellas it's kind of strange so let's say let's see i was trying to say because i've i've seen a good yeah i've seen 46 percent of his uh narrative uh narrative features feature length films not bad um so like I've I've seen a good you got amount, a good taste and of he's his and he's got now. a lot of movies so that's like that's a lot of movies <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and this is this is again a very odd one <laughs> it's very strange yeah <laughs> it's it's so it's hard to talk about like I never I don't know what to, I didn't know what to say about it when I made when I wrote my review for it either like I just don't know 
what to say about it. It's very weird. It's oddly framed. It's incredibly well it's shot. Its setting is odd. Its story writing is odd, but yet it works. Like, it don't really get me wrong, works. it works. <laughs> I don't think it's like a masterpiece. I don't. It's. It's. I think it's one of his weaker films overall. But at the same time, it's really fantastic. <laughs> I don't know. It's so strange. It, it's a very strange movie. And like just about every lens, I, like critical lens I can put on a movie. Like it's a, it's very oddly like performed, but like the ensemble really works. And like it's very oddly shot, but it, it works. Oddly I don't know. Paced. It's oddly, yeah, it's oddly paced, oddly structured. Odd. Like I think like a good maybe 20 or 30 percent of this movie is like voiceover stuff yeah yeah it's all like like literally i think the, like the entire first i would say almost like 30 minutes are like back to back to back voiceover and yet it works it works i don't know it's, it's very weird it's a very strange movie uh it's one of the best looking martin scorsese movies i would probably say yeah no i i, I would i would tend looks. to agree and i love casinos as settings for movies which is the reason i wanted to watch this so much in the first place yeah i mean and i i think I don't know the, the incorporation of the soundtrack. It's very similar to Goodfellas in a lot of ways. Yeah, um, which is a it's strange like, thing. Like weird. It's strange thing. It's the weird, it's the weird o- older uncle to Goodfellas. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And then, and then the Irishman is Goodfellas' grandpa. <laughs> Does Goodfellas have a lot of voiceover, Micah? Um, or not Goodfellas? Yes, the um, Irishman. The Irishman. Yes. yes. Um, Wait a minute! I was like, no kidding. I think I think the Irishman is honestly even more stylistically similar to Goodfellas than this. It just goes about it like the story in a very different way. But again, it's also very similar to Casino. Like Casino, Goodfellas, and the Irishman are very similar films. Interesting. Um, I mean, I got to watch the Irishman sometime. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I gave Casino a five out of five. I thought it was phenomenal. Um, there are a few a there are a few problems I have with it, but they're pretty marginal. Um, but yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> Up next, we have we went out to the theater. Went out to the theater and caught M Night Shyamalan's brand new, spanking new, shiny new, uh, perfectly little fine perfect picture. Blue. <laughs> uh, it's knock at the cabin. Knock at the cabin. Um, very excited for a post old movie because old got me very excited for uh, um, Shyamalan, like Shyamalan yeah. again, which I hadn't been. For a long time. I mean, The Sixth Sense is really the but only other not, film that of was his not that I like, like, adored. We, we were not there for no, that. No, we were not there for The Sixth Sense. <laughs> so I was not like building hype off of the release of The Sixth Sense for his next picture. <laughs> yeah, because um, I mean, before uh, this point, like after we started watching movies, I like I kind of vaguely remember the release of Split, but I oh, actually I remember, I remember the release of Split. Like the Glass is like the first movie of his that I watched, like as it was coming out, kind of thing. You know? Yeah, I was about to say. I remember. Yeah, I remember. And Glass is like my least favorite movie. <laughs> I remember. I remember people talking about After Earth. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember people talking about The Last Airbender. <laughs> but yeah, I remember After Earth and the visit and Split. But like, the the Glass was like the first one that we were like, oh my god, it's a new movie. We gotta go see it. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And it was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Um, but then Old happened, and Old is like one of my favorite thrillers ever now. Um, so I mean, I was, I was like, really excited for this. I was about to say, usually people consider Sixth Sense to Village to be like where he peaked, like that run of his from wrong nineteen ninety nine to two thousand and four. Incorrect. Uh, but like Split, Old, and Knock at the Cabin. 
That's pretty crazy. I think Old and Knock at the Cabin are the two best movies he's done. Um, Knock without, at the Cabin. Without question. Knock at the Cabin, though. Very cool movie. <laughs> Shot amazingly well. Oh, my goodness. One of the most gorgeous-looking thrillers Love I've ever the seen. the cinematography in this, um. man. <laughs> it's got a real, like, claustrophobic functionality to it. And, like, it really... Um, highlights like the great performances that yeah, are in this. I love the performances. I love the I love the sense of romance between the two main characters. Yeah. Like their 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 relationship is honestly like part of the core of the movie. No, it's a good anchoring um, force for the movie. It really pays off well at the end. Dave Bautista's um, character it. is really, really fun. Um, yeah, but it didn't work for me quite as well as I wish it did. But I can't really get into why without spoilers. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I forgot. I like, which I don't want to spoil. Trying to avoid spoiling, knock at the cabin. Right, it just came out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought it was phenomenal. Um, I think I adore old a bit more. Like I like it a bit more just because of how like kind of crazy and bonkers old is compared to this. This is a much more controlled effort from M Night Shyamalan. And, you know, I, I can admire it for what it is, but I think I'll always prefer old, just a teensy bit. Uh, but, like, two of the best thrillers, I think, of the past, like, <laughs> couple of years, honestly. Old and Knock at the Cabin. Yeah, it's really great. <laughs> I gave it a five out of five. Uh, next up, uh, I watched on the fifth, mm -hmm. uh, Spike Lee's Do the Right Thing. The right very thing. first Spike Lee picture. I want to watch. Lee I need to get. Michael. I need to get to some more this month. I really want to. <laughs> I want to watch Malcolm X and uh, Black Klansman. Those, yeah, those I've had ones. I've had Black Klansman for like a couple years now, and I haven't watched it. Uh, but, but Do the Right Thing is probably <laughs> one of the best films ever made. Uh, it's really, really like it's like everything about it feels instantly classic nice. and like just just like really smooth to be in. Like it's one of those movies that just feels like 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 a perfectly designed world almost. Like it's just such a well written, well thought out, well presented, well designed. Like everything about it just works. Um, which is odd because this movie had such a small budget. This is like hailed as an amazing, like low budget film. I because mean, it's insane. everything I've seen from it looks like very low budget. Like you can, you can tell, but, but man, it works so well. And the cast is insane. I can't believe, I didn't even know Spike Lee acted. I did not realize that Spike Lee was like the main I mean, character. he's staring up at you on the poster. I didn't realize, right? I didn't know what Spike Lee looked like. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Didn't recognize him without his little purple suit and glasses okay, See, and I had seen him in the uh -huh. purple suit era of Spike Lee, yep. but I had not seen him looking like this, and then when I made the connection I was like, OMG, it's Spike it's Lee. Spike Lee, guys. Look, there he is. <laughs> and he gives such a good performance, <laughs> and like, it's such an interesting take on like, like the way it goes about talking about racism and societal stuff, and I watched some interviews from Spike Lee afterwards, like I mm -hmm. watched some of like the supplements and stuff, um, even though I don't have the criteria, and HBO had some of the stuff yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it's, it's such an interesting film. I really love it. It's fascinating and, like, perfect in every way. I mean, outside of um, Black Klansman, I think that's the film I'm most excited to see of his, is Do the Right Thing. Because yeah. I, I haven't seen any of in, his stuff yet. In, uh, one of the easiest five out of fives I've given <laughs> to a movie. <laughs> nice. Um, on the fifth, I watched uh, one of the Oscar nominees. You, you'll notice I most of the films I watched over the course of this month were Oscar nominees. And most of the films I watched over over the course of this month were a bunch of really critically acclaimed classics I hadn't watched yet. Um, but I watched Two Leslie, which is a film. It's like a slice of life film. Uh, it was sweet. It was kind of weird. I, I saw a lot of people calling it like misery porn, which it is to a degree. 
Um, but like, I don't know. I think it works. I think it kind of pays off well. I really like the central performances for it, which I mean is what it got nominated for. So I guess it makes sense. Uh, but it's not perfect by any degree, but I thought it was, you know, pretty great. So I give it a four out of five. It's, nice, nice. It's got a very authentic uh, vibe to it. Then on the seventh, uh, I watched uh, Three Colors White. White. Uh, white. <laughs> white. <laughs> uh, which was my least favorite of the trilogy, but it was still very good. It's Darn. got a very unique framing. I think it's my least favorite just because white, like just what they were going for with white connects with me the least personally. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot more mundane purposefully. It's a lot more like, I don't know, it's very odd. And it's honestly, I think Yossi put it in his review that it's like the most conventional feeling of the series like just like a um conventionally entertaining yeah um which is interesting compared to like blue and even red good friend of the podcast Um, (laughs) yossi providing um, his wisdom so yeah it wasn't my favorite of the series a criminal underuse of julie delpy after watching before sunrise (laughs) she should have been in the entire movie (laughs) but yeah very cool very neat movie um, I mean, I for it, what portion of uh, white I saw, she was very good. <laughs> I gave it a four out of five. Nice. Um, I I logged. Uh, oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't, I didn't log it, um, but I did watch it. I I logged John Mulaney, the, the comeback, comeback kid, kid, which was the last of his specials that I hadn't seen on Netflix. Yeah, his Netflix ones. Um, um, but yeah, no, it's it's really good. Like I said, I think it's his weakest. Netflix I think it's his special weakest, out of yeah. those three, but they're all good. <laughs> I was about to say, I I absolutely loved Kid Gorgeous. Obviously, like. Like everyone, yeah, I think Kid everyone, Gorgeous. even remotely close to Kid my Gorgeous age, loves amazing. Kid Gorgeous. New in town um, as well. New, and in, New town in town is super, is as, so like, amazing. Is amazing. Yeah. Everyone loves New in Town. Uh, but yeah, Comeback Kid. I think his we- some of his weaker bits are in this. The thing is, it's not like his his worst material isn't here. Um, but I would argue like it's his consistently like not. It, it's yeah, not as consistent. There's not as great. As, there's as not as many like just absolutely outstanding. Yeah. like bits. It's as just all very. It's just all great. Like it, none of it's out like outstandingly amazing, but all of it's great. I thought yeah. it was a lot of fun, and of course, I, I mean, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, <laughs> I gave it a four out of five. Nice. <laughs> uh, then. On the eighth footage. Oh yeah, so, shoot! You didn't watch anything on the eighth. Didn't watch anything on the eighth. Uh, I watched. I had a life, a job, if you will. Darn it! Uh, well, I watched this very late at night. Um, it's it's a little film called Empire of Light, um, written and directed by Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes, um, director of American Beauty and 1917, uh, two films that I have not seen, but I hope are better than <laughs> Empire. Of lights. <laughs> um, I don't know. Empire of Lights kind of a wash in like every aspect. It doesn't really know what it wants to be, and it kind of fails at everything it attempts to, to do. It's not really like a magic of the cinema movie. It, it kind of like fundamentally fails as one of those kind of movies. <laughs> it's not really a good romance movie. It kind of fundamentally fails at being a good romance, <laughs> um, and it's not like a good like. I don't want to say, like, activist movie, but, like, you know, it's it's set during the 80s, and, like, racism is a big theme in the movie, but it doesn't tackle it with enough, like, weight or dedicate enough time to it for it to have any sort of, like, meaningful impact on the, on the film itself, you know? Yeah. It, it's just a very wishy-washy movie. Um, and, I mean, Olivia Coleman's good in it, but honestly, I, I would say just skip Empire of Light. Like, Roger Deakins does a great job shooting it. It looks great. 
um, but like it kind of fundamentally failed for me in just about every other aspect. <laughs> um, but you know, I, it's not like bad. It's just everything about it doesn't work like the way I want it to. <laughs> um, but I gave it a three out of five. I, like it's not. I don't think it's dipping into bad movie territory. But it just it made me sad more than anything. <laughs> Uh, and I also watched um, a film called All That Breathes, uh, which got nominated for Best Documentary. Um, and it was uh, a, a good documentary. <laughs> I would have watched all of it, but I had to go to work. <laughs> yeah, Michael caught, I think, like the first half or so of this. Um, and it was really cool. It's about uh, like as a, a, couple, as a couple guys who uh, try trying to save some birds. As someone who <laughs> as someone who studied ornithology too, I think that it's something I can appreciate. Yeah, you should you should finish it sometime. I should. It's a lot of fun. Um, but it, no, it's it's very very well shot. It's from so what well I saw. Shot. Oh my goodness! Honestly, I think the cinematography here is like one of the best things about it. Um, I mean, it's got it's got a pretty cool like narrative structure and like editing is really good. But like honestly, the cinematography and the pure ambition of the way they shoot it is very cool. Um, and I I really enjoyed it. Nice. Uh, I give it a four out of five. Very good movie. All that breathes. Then on the ninth, uh, I watched Shaft, watched the seventy-one Shaft, Shaft the I'm original. Very Shaft. excited to watch Shaft. I don't know uh, why. <laughs> I've been very pumped. What a, for what it. a weird movie. <laughs> it's like the most seventies, like seventies movie I've ever seen. Like a lots of groovies and like you know, like stuff like that. That like I've always seen people like reference in relation to the seventies, but I've never seen portrayed in a seventies. Quite movie. funny. Um, you got me. You got me so excited to watch it now <laughs> but it's really fun the action set pieces are fun yeah. uh john shaft um is a really fun character uh especially richard roundtree's performance like he's he just he's very magnetic you really nice. like you want to watch more of him i don't know if i doubt the sequels <laughs> there's there's the there's the two sequels shaft's big score oh, no. in shaft in africa <laughs> oh no not shaft in africa <laughs> which i just think are funny <laughs> uh, I doubt they're I doubt they're nearly as good as this, but it's a pretty small stakes, uh, like like not small stakes, like there are big stakes, but it's like a very small scale feeling cool action movie that's got there's like some really fun set pieces, fun action characters that are cool. It's not my favorite thing in the world, but it was good and I really enjoyed it. Um, I would definitely rewatch it sometime. Nice. Uh, I give it a four out of five. I mean, it's, it sounds awesome, uh, honestly. <laughs> then on the 10th, I watched Devil in a Blue Dress. Devil in a Blue Dress. Uh, Freaking Denzel Washington. Denzel Washington, baby. Love, love me some Denzel. We Here here at Recently Logged, <laughs> we are big fans of Denzel Especially Washington. Especially 90s Denzel. What's up with that, Goodness, man? man. Uh, but yeah, very excited for <laughs> Devil in a Blue Dress. It looked very much up my alley. Didn't really know what it was about, though. And I watched it, and it's super fun. It's like a little, it's like a noir kind of noir, you know? Like there's, It's so <laughs> noir-y. Like post-noir noir, you Post-noir know? noir. <laughs> uh, and it's just, it's just really neat. The characters are so much fun. I love stories written like this, where like the story, and it's a classic noir thing, where like everybody else knows more than our little detective character at the center. Those are fun. Um, Don Cheadle comes in and gives like a really fun performance with a really funny character. And like, it's just, 
it's just a fun movie. Denzel really sells it. <laughs> His performance just nice. makes it really work. The story is tight, snappy. It looks good. It sounds good. The story, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, you honestly could have just said Denzel Washington Noir, and I would have been like, <laughs> all right, I'm on board. <laughs> I gave it a four and a half out of five. Very cool. Uh, unfortunately, though, it was very much overshadowed, because although I really loved Devil in a Blue Dress, later that very same <laughs> night, I watched Mulholland Drive for the first time. Mulholland Drive. Um and uh it was better it was a better movie <laughs> and i haven't stopped thinking about mulholland drive <laughs> and it's really really good <laughs> i i'm so excited for and it now i picked up the criterion for it on a whim from a used blu-ray store because mm -hmm. i really wanted to watch another david lynch film um and, you know, I, I didn't see Inland Empire laying around anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I picked it up and I watched it. And it, it was just, it's so up in my alley. It's so my kind of thing. Like, this is the kind of film that I, I would that I would want to make, you know, <laughs> which is kind of goofy. <laughs> but even, like, my short films that I've made are very much, like, I, I'm not specific. I've never specifically tried to go in a David Lynch style. That has yeah. never been my goal. Um, but oftentimes, like the kind of stuff that I want to go for, obviously, I am no David Lynch. I don't <laughs> execute things well. My short films are just me trying to experiment with stuff. Yeah. Um, but like, I often want to go for a lot of the feelings that I get from David Lynch's work. Um, <laughs> lying on the floor crying. <laughs> that's, uh, the, that's the main thing. This movie's creepy, tragic, <laughs> very, very cool. Edited like nobody's business, shot like Ooh. nobody's business, acted like nobody's business, written like nobody's business. Never seen another film like it. The closest thing I could relate it to is Twin Peaks, obviously. And also, apparent. <laughs> obviously. Well, it's just very tonally similar to Twin Peaks, surprisingly. And apparently, it was originally supposed to be a spinoff of Twin Peaks. I found out from the Criterion book, which is really funny. <laughs> it very much feels it. I can't wait to uh, see it, man. I, I've adored what, have, what I've seen of Twin Peaks so but again, far. Another very easy five to give out. Nice. Uh, I absolutely loved it. <laughs> I haven't stopped thinking about it. Very cool. Uh, also on the 11th, I watched Night of the Coconut. Night uh, of the Coconut. Patrick Willem's uh, season finale of his YouTube channel. Uh, that got a. I love Patrick. That Willems, got a man. weird theater release in a couple. It got a theater release in like a AMC. I Dude, think. that's so cool. Did you not what? see that? I forgot about it. Yeah. I think I did see it. That was why. He, <laughs> that's why he did the little AMC thing at the front because he got it in one theater. That's crazy, dude. Um, <laughs> but, Night of the Coconut. It's a cool movie, but you know it's fun. It's goofy. I think it. I think it's. I think it's neat as a project that yeah. it got made. I, I don't think it's that good overall. Like Aww. it's not bad by Aww. any means. I think it's fun and engaging, and it's not like poorly paced or anything. But I think the writing is obviously like it's. Yeah, I mean it was. It was originally shot as like. A narrative segment of a YouTube video, exactly. and then they went too long. <laughs> exactly, like it's it's nothing like crazy, but it's still really fun. And again, I put it in my review. It's not the best thing in the world, but it's not trying to be. So like, who cares? Yeah. It's still really fun and a cool project. Uh, so, and there's nothing like egregiously wrong. There's with so it. many great bits uh, in Night of the Cookie. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. I gave it a three and a half out of five. Nice. Uh, then also on the 11th, I rewatched Barbarian. Stop watching the movies. Uh, I showed like it. I watched it with my mom. She hadn't watched it when we watched it's it. It's like, finally, I, I could show it. Barbarian to my mom. I watched it with my mom. Uh, she liked it. Uh, what would Freud say? Oh, no. <laughs> cool, cool movie. Uh, it's, it's, it's weird on a rewatch, I'll have to admit. 
I don't know how I feel Such about it. Such a strange movie. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, still liked it. Four stars, four to five. Uh, then on the 12th, I watched uh, Three Colors Red, finished up the trilogy, second best, but honestly, especially coming in with this movie, this movie is like the most like my dinner with Andre out of the trilogy, <laughs> which is funny. It's mostly just two people sitting around talking, Nice, um, which I was not expecting from Red. Um, <laughs> but uh, watching this really ties together the trilogy in a really thematic, unique way, and I love what the trilogy was trying to do, and as a work of art, as a total, like, all three movies, they're all, like, it's a masterpiece, it's a five out of five, easy, uh, but I gave it a four, a four and a half out of five. There you go. Um, as an individual movie, still really loved it, the main girl, um, Irene Jacob, amazing, she's really, really good. <laughs> And I just love what it... I think it's one of the more impressively written out of the trilogy. Very, very cool. Cool movie. Then what did we watch, right? <laughs> then uh, we sat down and we watched Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Um, yeah. Um, I was I was actually like kind of a pretty big fan of Black Panther. No, I, I, really I really like love Black Panther. That's like my one, favorite yeah. Marvel movie almost. No, it's not mine. I but think, like I something like Iron Man probably is. But like... Black Panther is up there for me. Yeah, no, it's definitely one of the better of the MCU project. Um, but, like, honestly, Wakanda Forever just... I don't know, it falls flat in so many ways. I, again, I I, I, hate, I hate to say it, because I think, I think I largely attribute a lot of the major problems with this to the fact that Chadwick Boseman died. Yeah. And they had to... Because they already had this kind of planned out before he did. Mm -hmm. And I think even... Like at least I think there was a draft of the script done before he died. I'm pretty sure, um, yeah. So they like had to, they that. had to completely scrap that and change things yeah. around. It's just it's and, they ended up with a sloppy movie. Yeah, and it's just sloppy at yeah. the end of the day. Like nothing nothing in it works as well as it could. Everything feels rushed. Uh, the Shuri and Na uh, Namor stuff is just weird. Like the way it's framed. It's, like I like Namor a it's lot. It's strange. Yeah, I love um, Namor as like a, as a character. Like in a, in concept, and he's he's a fun presence in the movie too. Um, but I don't know. It's it's a well directed movie, but it's just a very kind of poorly written and structured movie. Yeah, like Namor is probably easily the best thing in there, and then at the same time, all of the underwater stuff is embarrassingly bad next to Ooh. the Way of Water, which came out like right next to it. Yeah. Uh, so the only stuff I ever even like felt anything from was anything that actually reminded me that Chadwick passed away because he was he's a really sweet guy. I mean, really he, great actor. Yeah, I was about really. to say he was a great actor. He, that honestly, his performance is one of the things that really his, sold me on Black Panther. To I was begin about to say with. his passing was super tragic. Yeah. Um, but like I, I even put it in my review, this doesn't even like it, it still revolves around like vengeance, which most of the Black Panther things in the MCU have. But I don't think it even hits the emotional depth or complexity that like Black Panther and Civil War does. Yeah, which so. is a shame. <laughs> I don't know. Like I felt, I felt kind of like sad watching Wakanda Forever, and not for like the right reasons. <laughs> yeah, I, I was kind of boring. I thought yeah. like, most of, ugh, the it, new suit designs of everything are oh ugly. Gosh. Like not the Black Panther. I was about to say, I actually the don't Black mind Panther the new. Black Panther suit, uh, but all the other ones. The more suits, fine. But like, dude, the ones that they design, oh. 
like the little fake Iron Man suit is ugly as all get out. That is like the ugliest thing I've ever seen in something not Power Rangers. It looks like a Power Rangers. I was about to say, dude, this looks like an Amazon Prime type suit. Right. (laughs) And then and then we have the little thing that Shuri designs for them, and it looks like a freaking off-brand like predator suit. It does not look good. I don't know. There's there's so many like just bafflingly kind of either just not not necessarily even bad decisions but just like boring or weird decisions i was about to say i still put it's a heck of a lot more competent than anything from the mcu has been lately like obviously i still think ryan coogler is like a good he's a good director. director no there's a lot of great like directorial stuff going on in wakanda forever it's just kind of a mess <laughs> yeah i think the screenplay kind of got the short end of the stick from everything yeah. that happened um i ended up giving it a three out of five yeah i gave it a two and a half uh and then last night on the 13th we watched uh punch drunk love yeah, in preparation let's, let's, for let's this let's get into talking about punch drunk love i mean do you have any good <laughs> i have something to say about that movie um yeah i I hope you enjoyed our Valentine's Day episode. Yeah, I, happy Valentine's Day. This this episode is like going to be almost as long as Punch Drunk Love. At is. the moment, we're about yeah, we're about to hit the runtime of yeah. Punch Drunk Love. Um, but yeah, uh, which hey, that's Yossi's. That's his goal when he said he wanted to make he wanted <laughs> to make any comes episode on the podcast, to be as long as gotta the movie be as long we talk as the about. Movie. It's funny. Um, yeah, I mean, as always, uh, thank you for tuning in. Go check out uh, this. This will be like our second time plugging it. Um, go on to Letterboxd if you have a Letterboxd account yes. and follow Recently yes, Logged. Yes, we yes. have an HQ page where you can keep up with all of our stuff. And if you there. don't have a Letterboxd account, you can make one and only follow us and not interact with anything else. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, go, can, it's, we're just at Recently Logged. It's the central, um, pretty much the central hub of Recently Logged. You'll be yes. able to see our list. That is where you previous, should go. <laughs> from previous uh series and there's a discussion board up there too if you ever want to send us a question or send us a question has to be in the podcast do you just go go there yeah um, but you can also find us on like Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, I mean we we have all the links in YouTube the description. And... I'm at Robbie Grayway pretty much everywhere, um, and you know the podcast is at Recently Logged pretty much and everywhere. Go check out my YouTube channel. I've been yes. trying to write a very very large video on The Last <laughs> of Us Part Two while also working a heck ton. Uh, so I have written about half of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, it's a rather ambitious project, I think. Yeah, especially the way I want to go about talking about it. I, it's very daunting. Uh, hopefully it'll turn out to something halfway decent. Um, yeah. And then after that, I'll talk, I'm will talk. i going to talk about uh, the show, the new show. So oh yeah, the HBO I'm doing, show. I'm doing, a little, I'm doing a little series on The Last of Us. I also just did a video on Bluey you could check out too. Bluey. Uh, it, was a so. good, it was a good video i think yeah robbie grayway endorsement he's <laughs> robbie grayway endorsement. He, he supports me on patreon that's true <laughs> go to patreon.com slash no. mgrayway <laughs> oh no uh anyway guys bye happy valentine's happy day. valentine's day go, go watch, watch a good, good movie a good romance movie yeah go watch like in the mood for love or something <laughs> i don't know don't go watch Mulholland Drive for Valentine's Day. Bad call. If you're up for uh, Punch Drunk Love and its content, which it is an R-rated movie, just be yes. warned. Um, go watch that because I think it's phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, hope you guys have a good day and a good week and a good life. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye. <laughs>